Welcome back to another episode of Football at the Bar with your host, T.A. and G-Money, bringing you all the highlights, talking mess, and all the plays you shouldn't have missed. What's up, everybody? This is Football at the Bar. I'm your host. I'm T.A. We got G-Money right over here, and we have a very special guest, a two-time Super Bowl winning champion right here with us. We have Byron Chamberlain from the great yay, yay. Denver Broncos. And super excited to have you with us. Co-host today, you fired up being here with us? Uh, man, I'm excited to be here. Heard a lot about the, the podcast, so I'm, I'm I'm excited to talk some football, man. Let's do it. Without oh, a doubt, yeah. we're going to talk Let's some football. Let's do it. We're going to hey, do that damn thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we're brought to you by ATB Media Network. And um, what are y'all drinking today? Well, you already know I'm on the shindag, so shindag. Shindag. He's drinking some malt. single malt scotch. Yes, How about indeed. you? I got uh, some kettle one. Some kettle, kettle one. one. Oh, okay. He going in the white family. Okay. <laughs> All right. And I'm over here drinking my normal cognac, AKB6. That's All right. super smooth cognac. Y'all don't know about that, but y'all better figure it out. Yeah, yeah. This, this be popping. And before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to like, download, and subscribe to us. Because yes, guess what? Everything we, he said. Because <laughs> we're going to sit over and have some fun with you, and we want you to have fun with us every single week. So with that being said, this was a hell of a week for Wasn't some football. It? I mean, we saw some unbelievable games. But Wasn't this, it? But, but one thing that really stood out is that the 49ers... I think they've established their dominance. I think I can now give them their kudos. You know, I've been hating all yes, you season. Have. But guess what? I'm glad you acknowledge. I, I, I can always acknowledge when I mess up. But let me tell you something. If Shanahan, if they don't get a Super Bowl with this team that he has, that he's been able to bring together, shame on him. What do y'all think on the 49ers? I'm going to ask Byron. Man, Byron, uh, give it to me. What do you think, first of all, before I jump in? You know, I think this is uh, the team that they assembled in San Francisco, going and getting Chase Young, adding him to that defense. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think this is the best opportunity that Shanahan's going to have to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- it, they look like a complete team. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing what brought, how Brock Purdy has, how he's playing and leading right. that team. They've had guys in and out of the lineup. I know Debo missed some time. Debo Samuels, but they don't miss a beat. They do not miss a beat. I agree. And so, and we we understand injuries is the 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 the, the common you know that's the thing that's gonna yeah, it's determine the, the, whether the fragility yeah 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 exactly. So, but barring injury, I don't think anybody can beat them. I think what Shannon, like I said, what he's created up there. In San Francisco, in the Bay, it, it's a monster. Something special. Real and, talk. And, I, and you brought up something very, very, very interesting because everybody talks about their offense. But really, it's the mm-hmm. additions that they've made on defense with Randy Gregory, uh, with Chase Young, that is really propelling that defense to be what it was a few years ago when they were going up against Mahomes and just missed that Super Bowl. So, gee, what about you? Well, you know, I you've heard me talk. I think that any Super Bowl team that I've ever seen win, they have all three phases of the game locked up. So this is a team, and you know, I, on the let's say just to throw a little quiver, uh, a little K 
caveat out there to the AFC team. I think that the Ravens might be in the same category, even though with you know the the let's say the loss of Andrews makes it a little bit of a struggle. But the bottom line is is that you have to have all three phases being playing at an optimum level. Mm-hmm. And what the San Francisco 49ers have proven is is that they have a formidable offense. They have a solid special teams, and then they have a formidable defense, and that is the formula for success. Granted, injuries can make this all be scrambled eggs at the end of the day, (laughs) but they have all three phases, and if they don't win... Damn them, because they, they why not? Y- y'all are supposed to be it, and, and they should be. You know, and the, we talked about this off camera earlier, talking about how that team has really bought into what Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan is selling. To. Yeah. That is, that is a, another piece to a championship team. Mm-hmm. Like, that team, that team, like, they stick together, and they seem to be on the same page in every aspect, which you just said, Offense, special teams, defense, right. they're, they're together. And so, you know, me from personal experience, I watched Kyle grow up in our locker room. He was mm-hmm. my, my, my coach, Mike Shanahan, his son. Mm-hmm. And just seeing how he has become a leader of men yes. and how he's galvanized Say those it. guys, mm-hmm. I can't it, – it would be very disappointing if, if they didn't – Come and walk away I, with, I couldn't without agree, winning the disagree Super Bowl more. Year. I couldn't disagree more. I or, or, or I should say agree. But no, no, I, I think you're spot on. Um, at the end of the day, they should win. Period. End of story. They should win, and it will be a disappointment if they don't because they have all three phases. And, and here's the the one missing link. That, that, that many teams that don't get there uh, don't have that I think this team does have, and that's that mental toughness, that mental fortitude. And, and, and the reality is, is we've seen that in, in past teams, right, that have won. We saw it, you know, with your Denver team. I mean, we've seen it with the Ravens, with, with uh, uh, Ray Lewis. We've seen it with uh, the Chiefs. But, right. but let me tell you something. I think that's the one missing ingredient that the Chiefs have, that don't have this year is that mental toughness, that mental uh, every player being dialed in. And we saw that at the end of the Chiefs-Bills game with Tony making a, mm. a, a butthead asinine mistake by being in the neutral zone. Now, now you know, I have some real... Um, you have issues with it. I have some issues with it, but but I want to hear what you guys think about that last that that call at the end of the game. What were some of your thoughts on it, Jim? Well, okay, so I'm gonna say this, and I will admit, I'm biased because the Raider fan in me was overjoyed <laughs> at the demise <laughs> and the debacle that that ensued. But you know, it was a it was a perfectly executed play that was for not because a receiver who gets paid, you know, six figures couldn't look over and look at the the referee and make sure that he was lined up. Now, granted, you know, he was in a situation, it was a high leverage situation and he did line up and and those are the kinds of plays that get, let's say, overlooked all the time because it was pre-snap. 
but I also feel as though that I've heard through the cadences of all of the social media and all of the shows and so on and so forth that that's something that professionals pay attention to regularly. So I can't, especially as a Raiders fan, I cannot, uh, let's say, give him a mulligan for him not lining up correctly. And the, the flag was thrown, and he ended up ruining what was going to be a miraculous comeback by them or a potentially even win by them because he just lined up over the football. And the only last thing, uh, the quarterback and the head coach decided to show their complete donkey on. <laughs> they got so disgusted. They were so disgusted. And as a Raiders fan, I was overjoyed. But I, I can understand their level of disgust because of the perfection of the play that just ensued. I mean, look, Kelsey threw a perfect lateral pass. I mean, it couldn't get any more perfect than that. And to have that be wiped away and never be in the annals of history was it was like a crime. Well, but here's what twist is: we actually have a professional and had the opportunity to sit over here and line up for you who have lined up in that position. What are your thoughts on it? Well, let me start where you left off. You're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, his emotional outburst after right. well, well, on the sideline and then after the game in the media, Andy Reid, you know, kind of taking up for him and, and which who I love Andy Reid. I played for him in college. I've known known the man since I was 15 years old, yeah. uh, recruited me to the University of Missouri. All that being said. The man was off size, man. Thank Come you. on, man. Okay. Hey, Thank listen, listen, much. listen. I started playing football in ninth grade. In Fort Worth, Texas, Eastern Hills High School, I played receiver. And the first thing they told us to do, when you line up, you check with the ref. Hey, he's going to help you out. Now, here's the thing, and this is how, how it works. You have to line up, and then you have to ask the ref, hey, ref, am I good? Am I okay? He's not going to offer that up to you. He's, gonna, he's not going to say nothing to you. If you line up offside, it's not his job to say, hey, man, you're offside. You need to get back. No. But if you ask, if you say, hey, ref, am I OK? Am I lying? He's going to say, no, you need to back up or you need to scoot up, whatever, whatever there is. So just that process. I learned that day one in ninth grade playing right. football in high school. Right. It sounds rudimentary. It, it, right? it, it, it's, it, it's literally in your like you said, you're a professional. That's part of being a pro. When when you go into every team has a they, they give you this thing called the the four A's. You know what the first A is? No. Alignment. Okay. Where do you align up? Mm-hmm. Number two is assignment. Three is action and adjustments. Whatever action you have and whatever. Preach. So you need the first A is a, a, a alignment. Where do I line up? And so Preach. you have to go through those things. And, and here's another thing too, because this is late in the game, fourth quarter. I remember in college when I was at the University of Missouri, we used to always run our drills and late in practice, we would always line up and do gassers or do some sort of conditioning. We had a rule there. If there was a line, you had to be behind the line. Why would why why did we do that? It was so guys would literally look down, see where your toes are, make sure you're behind the line, even when you're tired. 
You know the old saying, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Mm-hmm. Well, fatigue, when you're tired, you, you do things wrong. You get you, you want you don't do the little things right. And that was part of that, that training process, that you, mentality. You hear that, TA? So literally every time <laughs> you line up as a receiver, you need to look down, where's the ball? Where am I? If I need to ask the, the official, hey, Mr. Official, am I okay? They're going to help you out. And just that little process, that takes two seconds. But Andy Reid expressed something differently in the uh, press conference afterwards. What he said in his uh, two decades in the NFL, that he's never been confronted with that. Because anytime one of his players is possibly overstepping, that the ref will actually give him a little warning first. It's kind of just like when the play clock goes down to zero and that ball is snapped right then. Those plays can be called, uh, unless it's egregious, can be called all the time. But there is that little bit of gray area. And so Andy Reid has expressed that he wasn't given that same grace where uh, the ref will say, hey, you got to check for uh, such and such, number 19, because he's he's lining up in, in, in the area. And that's when a ref makes those type of calls in a in a game-on-the-line situation, the fans nor the people uh, that are attending or the people that are watching don't come to see a ref sit over and make that call when you talk about a, a, I gotta, a play. However, listen, that's optional for the ref to give you a warning. Right. He doesn't have to give you a warning. Yes, please, sir. Praise. Praise. He, he doesn't have Pour to give you a warning. So why are you putting it in the ref's hands? Why are you putting your faith in the ref's hands when literally you can look down, look at the ball, see where you're lined up. You can ask him, hey, Mr. Official, am I okay?" That's literally the process. Okay. so why would you put your fate in somebody's hands and say, oh, man, give me a a warning? No, this is a man. You're offside. You're offside. And, and you know, you know I mean, that's just like speeding on the 405. And you, <laughs> you, you hoping he going well, he could give you a warning or he can give you a ticket. Yes. Hey, I feel y'all. I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm absolutely <laughs> disgusted hey, that that is. play is not going to stand because uh, one, I, I, I just think that they didn't want to see our, our, our man out there in Buffalo, Josh Allen, sit over here and go down at <laughs> the hands of, of Mahomes once again. And I will tell you this. Actions will always speak louder than words. When you see Mahomes' actions, when you hear and see um, Andy Reid's response to that at the end, this is something that is, is very, very rare. That call has been called 12 times this year, but it's only been called twice on a receiver in the whole year. So this is obviously something that's not called very often, and um, that's probably not the first wide receiver. Um, in that game, that line that that align themselves I, I, a little I wanna, bit on the line. I, I almost want to say this, and then I'm going to hand it to you because you know you're the one who's played in the league. But previous season, I think that this this particular call was called twice in the entire season. They made a particular emphasis on alignment in the NFL this season. It's been called 12 times, so you can already see if it's been called 12 times then that means that they are pay- they're paying attention to mm-hmm. it to a particular level in this season. And only thing that I can say is, is that uh, Patrick Mahomes, because it happened to him, decided that he wanted to be a horse's ass and say, how dare you do this in my house? <laughs> because I'm the greatest whoever did it. 
Hey, yeah. you know, you make a point there. You said it was called twice last season, 12 times this season. Obviously, it's a point of emphasis. Let me tell you what happens, though, with the officials. When you go to training camp, the officials come in, and they literally tell you what the point of emphasis are this year, mm, what we're going to be looking me. for, what they're going to be calling a little more. So I'm pretty sure they told each team, hey, this is a point of emphasis this year. Look, uh, Watch your alignment. Mm-hmm. Right. We're going to be calling this a little more. And to see that number go from 2 to 12, obviously it's been a point of emphasis for Ten the league. Ten of them were called alignment, though. Ten of them were called but alignment. How about regardless, this? they're, being they're called, paying sir. attention to the line of scrimmage and where people line up. I think they're paying attention to the wrong thing. But 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 but, but here's what the thing is. <laughs> you know, now, man, he's a Chiefs <laughs> fan. I just wanted to tell you that for the record. As we just talked about, mental fortitude is extremely important to, to, to galvanize and find wins in this league. Sure. And, and, and and although um, that was a lapse in, in, in mental acuity and being dialed in, I, I have to say that that wasn't the actual reason why the Chiefs lost. And we've seen the Chiefs fall behind or not execute and not perform and not score at a rate that they have in the in the past. Mm-hmm. So the real question is, is when we saw the Chiefs lose to the Bills, lost the previous week to Green Bay, and now we've sit over here and seen the other last year's Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl attending team in the Eagles get Wally mopped by the Cowboys, and the week before that, get right. their, their behind spanked by the 49ers. Right. What do you think is is the is the difficulty is a challenge with these two great teams that are now literally um, taking massive steps backwards at a time when they need they should be ascending. Well, Byron, I'm gonna allow you to go ahead and jump in because I have some thoughts, but go ahead and jump in. You know, what my, do you think? My my first instinct, you know, when you when you're at the top, when you make it to the Super Bowl, you're everybody's Super Bowl that next season. Everybody's looking at you as, and they're, they're gonna they're gonna give you their best effort. Um, that that's number one. I remember we won our we won our first Super Bowl, and that next year we come back and we had a hell of a game versus the Cincinnati Bengals, and we were the worst team in, in the league at the time. And they came and played because they they took it as oh we're playing the Super Bowl. This is our Super Bowl. We're not gonna make the playoffs, but we, this is gonna be our Super Bowl this this week. And so that's number one. You're taking every team's best shot. And just how, just staying on top is so much harder to do. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, the human nature says, I made it. Let's relax. Let's get a little complacent. That's human nature. Mm-hmm. It, and, and so you're fighting against that as well. As I know their coaches, that's the number one thing that they have to fight against. Guys want to get paid. Guys want all the ancillary things that come with success. Hey, man, we were in the Super Bowl last year. We want to party. We want to hang out. We want to, you know, do all these mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. We don't have to work as hard. We, we're good. Taking that foot off the gas. Yeah, mm-hmm. most definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and so that that that's the other part of that as well. So I, I just think, you know, there's some teams out there, like we talked about the Niners early, they're hungry. They haven't they haven't yeah. tasted that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You're right. They haven't they haven't won. They haven't held that trophy. Mm-hmm. The Eagles have done that. Mm-hmm. Kansas City has done that. So they want they they are they want their their opportunity. They want their chance to prove that we're the best and we want to hold that trophy and have that confetti fall down on our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and the only thing that I would do is just to, to, to piggyback off of that is I think when you start analyzing the teams themselves, uh, 
the thing about the Eagles that is different from, let's say, the the previous year to this year is their second year. They had Gardner Johnson that was a, a, a real poignant uh player for their team when they had their Super Bowl run and he was a interception turnover monster mm-hmm. and when they lost him and then he ended up going to I think the Lions was it, it, Detroit mm-hmm. right so getting a guy, a guy who has the same ilk or the same cadence uh, in, on, in, on paper mm-hmm. to him but not delivering in the same way the continuity has been lost when you lose a player who is delivering for your team. And what I see with the Eagles is, is their secondary now, mind you, that's why they went and got Bayard, right? They got mm-hmm. Bayard from Tennessee to try and give themselves a little bit of energy and juice on their back end because they knew that their corners and whether or not they press press or zone, mm-hmm. they are not giving the same level of, let's say, uh, a production that they did the previous year. Because they weren't spring chickens. They weren't spring chickens. And so at the end of the day, I think that the Eagles have a, a very strong front four. Mm-hmm. And that front four is playing dominant, but it doesn't play as dominant against a formidable offensive line. And their back end is showing holes. And that, uh, coupled with the fact that you know, maybe Jalen Hurts and and company are, are not playing in the same rhythm, whether it's injuries or what have you. Maybe, uh, you know, their, their running backs are not uh, hitting the holes the same way. But whatever, it's not the same thing. So maybe that speaks to a little bit of the energy you're talking about, yeah. that, that they feel like they've arrived, that they should already do that. But if you combine that with the fact that they are slightly weak on the back end, you're getting exposed when you play against superior teams who are hungry. <laughs> and the Cowboys are hungry like a mofo. You know, and I, and I gave you a high-level view, but but go getting specific, let's talk about the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Their receivers are horrible. Yes. Absolutely. Bottom Egregious. line. Egregious. And so they're not the same offensive team we've seen yes. the last two or three years. And and, and mind you, they're often offensive coordinators in Washington. That, that's, that's that is the point that I want to talk about. And, and, so, so, and so is the Eagles offensive but I, coordinator. I think, I think they lead the league in drop passes, the receivers. They do. As a, as a group. Mm-hmm. You know, Kelsey is still Kelsey. But he's he's not making the the plays that he made before. He's not a, not a spring chicken anymore. Right. Still still one of the greatest tight ends of Who all time. Who would have thought that they needed Juju Smith Schuster so bad? And, 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 then, and then the other <laughs> the other missing piece, and I know they missed him and they won the Super Bowl, but Tyreek Hill. Oh, Just oh imagine what this offense was like, what it could be like with Tyreek there. Yes. Tyreek's not getting slower. He, he, <laughs> we have not seen a degrade in his performance yet. He's actually gotten better. So I, I think they were a little bit premature. I think just like uh, with the Tennessee Titans not uh, wanting to pay A.J. Brown mm-hmm. and sending him off to the Eagles and how much of that was a big mistake for that team, mm-hmm. I think the team not finding a way to sign Tyreek was a huge mistake. But, but you touched on something, and this was really my point for this, is that not just the Chiefs, but also the Eagles, Eagles lost their offensive coordinator. And what was funny is everybody, Andy Reid himself said that 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 enemy called the plays, but nobody wanted to believe that. And, and the only real difference, in my opinion, 
from this offense from last year is that Bienemy is not the coordinator because I think there was an upgrade without mm. Schuster because Schuster not is not point. being very good. So you you look at Bienemy who obviously did have a, a whole lot more to do with that offense than than what media and everybody else tried to uh, give him credit for. But not only him, but on the Eagles side, Steichen went and got the head coaching job at the Colts, mm. and that was a team that was absolutely abysmal last year, and he's gotten them to where they're knocking on the door of the playoffs this year. make the playoffs. And, and that team is just not performing. The, the, all the tools are there. I think it's even a little bit more enhanced with the new running back that came from uh, from, from the Lions. Um, yep. he's, he's played a great year, but the offense just isn't clicking on the same cylinders as it was last year. So I think when you lose your offensive coordinators, the individuals that, that were in the in the in the gutter with the team, that's probably not the best yeah. expression, but, you know, in the trenches with the team in terms of the yep. preparation mm-hmm. and getting them ready for the games and, and more of the stick. The head coach has too many too many things to he's do a, he's to focus in. He's a CEO. Yeah. And, and those offensive coordinators that are now gone, uh, one having to take a lateral role, one getting an opportunity, even though they lost, and getting an opportunity for a head coaching job, I think that's what, what you look at the very uh, greatest uh, challenge that they're facing. But one last thing. When you look at the Chiefs, they haven't ran into formidable teams. They're just not playing at a great level to beat above average teams. Whereas Mm -hmm. Philly has ran into two juggernauts in the past two weeks with the 49ers and the Cowboys back-to-back that have gotten there behind. So I'm I'm a little bit more concerned with the Chiefs. Unfortunately, you know, obviously that's my team, but a little bit more concerned with them than I am with the Eagles. I just, I think the Eagles have the, have the time to get a little bit more healthy on defense. Remember their linebacker crew has been completely depleted. That's why they just put up Leonard. Leonard, yet they they just resigned. But they're going to be playing these high level teams once they move into the playoffs. But if you can get so, a little bit healthy uh, in terms of the, the, those holes in your defense due okay. to injury, um, if you can get a little bit more healthy because they added somebody that is an absolute mos- monster in Jalen and Carter, the, the rookie from oh, Georgia that's who's going to probably win defensive rookie of the year. Um, they So they've added some things to their team but when your linebacker crew is completely depleted, all of those individuals are kind of down and that's why they had to sign a Shaq Leonard I, I, I to come you. up in. When you get, but when you get blown out the way they got blown out, that doubt creeps in. I, I Can we really beat these guys? Yeah. Can mm-hmm. we even compete with these guys? But they beat them last year. I, I so it's one more. That was, right. that and was they, last year, not this year. That's true. And this that's is this is a whole nother year. You're that's right. And this is a whole, you know, and every team's different. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm telling you, that doubt creeps in once you get blown out the way they got blown out. Can we go to San Francisco and actually compete? Because they're probably going to have to go to Kansas. San Francisco. At this point, either, yes. either and, team. And, 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 and at this or, point, they or, may have to go to Dallas Correct. And, and meet them in the playoffs yeah. as well. And, and that's going to be tough. Now, yeah. the one beautiful thing about both teams is they have leadership at quarterback. Um, that I, I, I would think that if any of us were, were, were a GM of a team, we'd be ecstatic to have either one of those quarterbacks leading leading the way. Oh, yes, most definitely. And, 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 and to speak on that. You know, there's a young up-and-coming quarterback that's been doubted kind of just like Jalen Hurts that everybody kind of foo-fooed early on his his career, and all he needs is that is that um, that that opportunity to be with a team that is going to uh, 
that's going to be the right fit, that's going to have the right type of coaching. Mm. And when we, I'm speaking of Justin Fields. And I, if, oh, if we look at Justin out. Fields and what he did this past week, <laughs> <Chicago>. was, <laughs> leading that team to victory this past weekend. And if you look at the past 17 weeks, Justin Fields has accounted for over 4,000 total offensive yards. He He's like uh, top five in terms of quarterback production over, over the past 17 weeks bleeding into last week. I think this is a quarterback that is prime. If he gets to a team that's just a quarterback away, you're looking at him making not just an ex- the same explosive jump jump that Justin Hurts made, but could literally take a team all the way to the Super Bowl. That's how I feel about him. Okay, let me jump into that one only because he reminds me of what we said about Kyler Murray the previous week. In terms of, you know what? We all know that they have draft picks. Cardinals have draft picks. Chicago has Carolina, I believe, Carolina's draft Mm -hmm. pick, and they have their own. Mm -hmm. So they already know that they are in the proverbial quarterback sweepstakes. We know it. They know it. Everybody knows it. Even Tom, Dick, and Harry that is paying (laughs) attention knows that they know that they can get Caleb Williams or or May or anybody else that they want to get, right? So the question then becomes, are we going to leverage our future on paying uh, our existing quarterback who is potential but maybe marginal but potential superstar? Or are we going to say, no, let me go ahead and get the cheap guy in the draft pick, develop somebody, and then build around I think, I think that's a foregone conclusion. Well... I think that the Chicago Bears will be making a fundamental mistake to get rid of Justin Fields. I agree. Even though I will go on a limb and say that I hope that they do that because that means that he might be a Raider. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so I would love that from selfishly, but from a franchise standpoint, no, you need to understand that you have given this man about three or four different offensive coordinators and three or four different head coaches, and you have had him go through a gauntlet of guys, and you have not given him a number one wide receiver until this year. So he's been dealing with Mooney, and and now he's got Mooney and Komet as their number two and threes, and he is getting his mojo together. Mm -hmm. Because the bottom line is you're not going to find a guy who is 6'3", who can run somewhere between a 4'4 and a 4'5", who's got a rocket arm. There is, And he has already played in the league. So, Byron, what, what would you say? If he went to the Raiders, would you be a little bit nervous? Or what are your thoughts on Justin Fields? What are my thoughts on Justin Fields? Let me say this. If I'm the GM for the Chicago Bears, I'm making that trade. Ooh. Because I'm not... I am not sold on Justin Fields. I think he is what he is. He's a great athlete. You you just rattled off, you know, six, His statistics. six five, okay. two thirty, four four. Say it with your you chest. Know, hey, I'm saying it with my <laughs> chest, man. But I don't think I'm not sold on him in the passing game. He's a guy that's thrown 37 touchdowns, 27 interceptions in his career. Yeah, man, 27. Yeah, don't sound good. Yeah, it does not. And then the other part of it is when you're that guy and because all the guys that that when you're coming out of college you're going to get drafted to a horrible team can you turn around that franchise can you 
be the difference maker in that franchise. And to me, I'm just not sold. I think he is what he is. He's a great athlete playing quarterback. I, I think he needs to improve. He's got to get better in the passing game, and I get it. I understand about the weapons he maybe have not had has or not what had, has right. not had or whatever. I get that. But to me, I just don't I don't see him being the guy that's going to take my franchise to another level. Well, as a Raiders fan, this is just my opinion. This is my opinion. Of course. And, and I just I don't see it. I haven't seen it. Um, so if if I am that GM, I'm trading him. I'm trading. I'm getting as okay. many draft picks as I can. I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to find Brock Purdy okay. at the end of the draft, okay. and I'm trying to load up on other other well, weapons. They have a number that. one pick, so they don't have yeah. to get Brock Purdy. No, they, got, I, I, they got two. They got two lottery picks. Right. I think. Yeah. But they have the number one pick in the I'm, draft, so they can pick yeah, between Caleb or Drake. Yeah, Matthews. yeah. Yes. And, but I'm trying to maybe even parlay that into more draft picks to to get right. more weapons or or more free agents. In in the building. All right. I, I just don't think, to me, mm-hmm. Justin is not that guy. Did, He's got a rock. Hold on, let me ask you this. Is GM Trevor Lawrence Byron, that guy? Trevor Lawrence okay. that guy. I don't. I'm not. <laughs> He's not going to take them to the Super Bowl. He's not taking Jacksonville to the Super Bowl. I, I would agree with that. But do you remember Justin Fields mm. playing Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs in, in, in the year uh, that he, right before he came out? He absolutely destroyed him when Trevor Lawrence was, quote, unquote, the number one player uh, coming out that year. And he actually absolutely gave him the business, got hurt, and then went up against Georgia when they won their very first um, uh, championship and with broke ribs uh, sit over and, We're talking and about it. In Ohio, Ohio State, State. at yeah. Ohio State. Yeah. So, so We're remember not talking that. about the NFL. Well, well, right. here's, here's, right. what I'm, here's, here's what we have because to remember. I remember Tim Tebow winning a national championship in Florida, but I don't remember him doing squat in the NFL. Well, yeah. we, we don't want to compare those two. I, I know. I'm just saying, but if you're going to bring up something that happened in college, well, this, you know, we can't. We, it doesn't necessarily translate. That's all I'm saying. Is it fair to say at Carolina? That 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 player, Bryce Young, is it fair to say he's probably a better quarterback than than what he's displaying now? And that uh, the system, he had coaches that didn't believe in him, and the system that he's currently playing in is not um, uh, emphasizing his skill set at, at at the greatest level. And Justin Fields had went through the same thing when he had a uh, a coach uh, who's now the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and you see how the Chiefs are performing. Mm-hmm. He was the playing with the uh, uh, being the OC of the best quarterback we've seen in, in our lifetime. Do you think that Young has been given a raw deal, essentially? He, he's he been put in a situation. Yes, he's been put in a horrible situation. So, so was just well, well, Hold on. The problem, though, the difference is this. Bryce Young's a rookie. He hasn't even played a whole season yet. Justin Fields has got three years. Was this three? Three years. Two so different he, head coaches, me, and both head coaches are to whack. To me, he is who he is. He is okay. who he is. Okay. This is who this guy is gonna be. Okay. That's your. That is. Yeah. Now, when now, he goes to the Super Bowl next year, I'm gonna have you back here. Yeah, you got to. We're gonna talk about this. And, he, and he's gonna be wearing <laughs> a silver and black. Well, then I go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That won't happen. It won't be in the Super Bowl that happens. At least he won't win. Okay, I rebuke both of you. (laughs) Killing my dream. (laughs) Killing my dream. But okay. I think I was like 12 years old last time they was in the Super Bowl. Oh, they won something, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 because I made fun of him uh, when he, we were 27 years old. We remember they played Tampa Bay. So it's been a little bit of time since then. I said since they won. 
Oh yeah, since they yeah, won. Yeah, yeah, no, it was eighty three. Yeah, eighty three. Eighty three was the last time the, the Raiders Ooh, won, and that was when we had Brothers steroids. Was break dancing, yeah, Jerry <laughs> curls. <laughs> you know, we had Jerry curls. Yeah, we we had satin jackets. <laughs> Look, the one thing I can't say about Justin Fields is that the moment has never been too big for him. Even when he had to play with um, not the very best core or even uh, under a tremendous amount of scrutiny, we never saw him really wilt. He might not have um, elevated, but he didn't wilt. But let me tell you something. There is a team that's out there that is wilting under the Mm. expectations. Oh. Of being great, like, and, I, I can almost guess. And, 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 and we're talking about the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah, <laughs> this was everybody's Detroit. fan favorite coming into the season. And guess what? They they shot out of the cannon and played extremely well yeah. the first half, the first you know uh, two thirds of the season. But now we're getting into crunch time. Now we're getting into when the rubber meets the road, and those expectations are starting to weigh mm-hmm. heavy on mm-hmm. not just the team, but specifically the quarterback. And we've seen three games in a row that have been subpar and they've lost two of the last three yeah what are your thoughts on lines have your thoughts changed from the beginning of the season in terms of what you expected from them or what you thought they were going to be or are they exactly who you thought they were no i okay first i want to just lead by saying uh, i think dan campbell has done a phenomenal job with that team i i think that he is a really really good coach now that being said uh, they have St. Brown. They've got, uh, I think, Reynolds. They, they've got a pretty good receiving core. Um, uh, who's who's their tight end? Uh, is it La- no, Laporta? Laporta, yeah. Laporta is good, but maybe this is a scheme thing. Maybe it's the offensive coordinator. They're not using, uh, I think, uh, was it Jamar Gibbs? Jamar Gibbs. Both of them, both of them average using, six, six yards a game. Yeah, they're or not six using yards a carry. They have Montgomery. But they don't give them the ball. Yeah, enough, they're, yes. they're, they're getting a little too pass happy. And I think that they are not paying attention to what the defenses are actually doing. And I, I don't know if I want to blame the offensive coordinator or the quarterback or both. Right. It's it's, it's kind of like, why are you guys throwing the ball when it's cover three, cover four? And you're just saying, screw it. I'm going to throw the ball down the field. It's like, no. Why don't you force the team by running the ball to compromise to what it is that you want to do? And then you can run play action because that's what you did in the early part of the season. And they've gotten away from that. And they have to acknowledge that their defense is not uh, a type of defense that is going to, let's say, cover up all their mistakes. And their pass rush is, is let's say, good but not great. No, their pass rush is absolutely egregious. They're one of the worst pass rushing teams in the entire NFL. All right, NFL. so there's some guys like Hutchinson. And That's not, all they got. They're not. They're not <laughs> getting home. No. So, so why do that? Why don't we spend more time? Because Ben the Johnson is starting to read his his press clippings. Brent Johnson is starting to think that he can cook. And at the end of the day, that's the offensive coordinator that's up for the Carolina job and so on and so forth. So, Byron, for you, you know, what do you think? Yeah, what are your thoughts thoughts on Lions? My thoughts on Lions. First of all, I I like Dan Campbell. He's a tight end that was in the league when I was in the league. So I'm I'm a fan of, of course, tight ends. You mentioned uh, Laporta. 
the the the, the tight end there currently because sure. I'm, I'm I I love who they yeah, had you're before. A tight end guy. TJ Hawkinson, that's mm-hmm. my guy. Mm-hmm. But but I love he's a young and up and coming tight end. That right being now. said, and you know, I think I, at Minnesota. Yeah, he's at Minnesota mm-hmm. now. I'm saying they got rid of him for and bring Laporte. What do you think about Laporte? I think, I think he's a young guy. Yeah, he is he's a, a he's, he's a, a lion. He's, he's an up and comer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. he's a, he's a playmaker. Um, and you know, I think like you said, Campbell's done an amazing job with this team. Amazing. And the getting, GM getting them to where they are this uh, you know this year and but my honest opinion is I think they've maxed out. Where they are. I mean, is it because is, of the quarterback, this, or is it because of the overall composition of the team? Because of the damn Detroit Lions. Lions. <laughs> and they always gonna be the Detroit Lions. It's, like, it's like, have you seen my yeah, Lions? <laughs> that, that's why. I, 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 you know, right now, right now, I think they're they're the fourth or fifth best team in the NFC, and and that's I think that's where they max so out. So they're performing above. I think where this they is should exactly be. where they max out. Mm-hmm. And, and so anyone who has expectations of them getting going deep in the playoffs with the Niners or with the, the Eagles, it's just unrealistic. Right, Man, you, yeah. You're the Lions. Right. You know, be happy. You're the Lions. Be happy where you are because you, you it could be a lot worse, and it has been a lot worse over the years. And I think Dan Campbell has really gotten the max of what he can get out of this team. Mm-hmm. I would just be happy if they won us uh, if they won a playoff game. I'd be like, oh man, they need to throw a parade. <laughs> and I would be excited for him because you're talking about a team that that's been down and out for 50 plus years, yeah. right? Oh, man, for God. 50 plus yes. years. And, and man, they made Barry Sanders retire. They did. So, it, it, not, so not, not just Barry Sanders, but also <laughs> one of the greatest wide receivers <laughs> ever in Megatron. Oh, yeah. When you talk about teams that have been in, 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 in the doldrums of the league, um, we, we saw we saw two teams, actually three teams, this past Sunday play and with their backup QBs, Mm. And sit over here, and those backup QBs found a way to play, uh, play well. Um, two of the three getting over 300 yards, and, and and the other one getting just under 300 yards. Mm. You have the Bengals backup QB because obviously mm. uh, Burrow's hurt. We have um, the Browns QB because obviously Deshaun's yeah, hurt yeah, his yeah. shoulder. Flacco, 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 Flacco. resurgent. So we have Browning, Fluco we have Flacco, now, now Flacco, Flacco, right? Again. Play, play yeah. great, and then we have the Jets. And you know how brutal I've been on Zach Wilson, um, but I have to give credit where credit's due. When he played his very he best sure professional game this past week against a, a, maybe, a, a Texas a Texan team that was actually ascending. And so, you know, just very quickly, how important is it in the NFL nowadays with, with the physicality? Even though these new rules are trying to lessen the physicality, nonetheless, these quarterbacks are getting hurt and you have to have a viable QB yes. to come in um, to in, in relief when your starter's been hurt or your season's I'm done. Gonna hand that to you, and, and, and these three players are sitting over here. Flacco is saving the Browns yeah. season. The, the, uh, Browning is sitting over here and giving Bengals life on possibly making the playoffs this year. And and Zach Wilson, for the future past Aaron Rodgers, is maybe giving them a little bit of hope that he actually might be the quarterback for them in the long term. Uh, so so how important is, is that? You know, you being in the league and, and, and having yeah, to experience yeah, your, some, your some issues. So from, from my experience, you know, you saw about it's – how important it is in the league nowadays, but it's always been important. 
It's always been uh, you yeah. always have to have that guy that can keep the, the ship afloat, mm-hmm. you know, while the starter is hurt. And, you know, I, I look at our second Super Bowl uh, season when we went 14 and two. Well, Bubby Brister, our backup quarterback, started four Bubby games Brister. that year, mm-hmm. and he won. Mm-hmm. And he that. came in, and we won all four games. Wow, won all four and, games. And, and Bubby kept us. He mm-hmm. kept he kept us going on on the right direction. And we, I remember, we used to tell Bubby, Bubby, we got a Ferrari right here, bro. <laughs> just, hey, just don't keep, screw just, it up. Just mm-hmm. keep us straight. Don't strip the gears. Keep this thing in first place. Mm-hmm. And in first gear, we'd be all right, oh, man. Just don't don't you know, don't mess it up. Right. We got this. Right, right. And, and so you need that type of guy, and you know. For me, when I saw uh, Joe Shiesty, that's my guy. When he got hurt, I was like, oh, man, bingo season is <laughs> over. But Browning, like you said, he's come in. He played well. Mm-hmm. He played Two well. games in a row. He's, he's played well, and he's giving them a chance to maybe possible, possibly grab a, a, a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. When I yeah. thought when I thought when Joe was when, we, uh, we were all like, we're like hey, it's over. The it's entire NFL was like, they're, they're done. done. They're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, you know. So, so that 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 was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, I don't care, man. Zach played well. I'm not sold on him. Never. Oh, never. No, no. Never. I'm not sold on never, him. Never. Never. But he, but, but, never, his, never. but he played the Did very he play, best he game played, of his career. He played career. his best game of his career. I, I kudos, feel like that was like the kudos. You know, I, but you know, hey, even even a blind squirrel finds yeah, a find nut every now. Yeah. So, <laughs> and let me tell you something. He's hey. definitely a blind squirrel. <laughs> yeah. So and, and yeah. then going to Joe Flacco, um, you know, he's probably the guy that has the most um, to deal with. I mean, as far as like. He's got the talent around him. He's got a, yeah. a phenomenal defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a dude over there, uh, yeah. Miles Garrett. Oh, Garrett oh one of the best. That is, he's probably going to probably win defensive player dude. of the year this yes. year. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and, and they're Newsom. Yeah. Uh, they they so, got players. And, so, and he's in a position that all he has to do is make one or two plays here mm-hmm. and there. Uh, don't don't screw it up. Don't throw the don't make the critical turnover. Mm-hmm. And then make a couple plays, you know, two or three plays during the game. And his defense is always going to give him a chance. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that being said, I'm sitting here thinking, Joe Flacco. Man, if Joe Flacco got a job, why ain't Colin Kaepernick got a job? And they ain't never oh. lied about that. Did I say that out loud? Yes, you did. Okay. And that's all right. Okay. This is the point. Let's talk about hey. it. Controversy? <laughs> you know, definitely, if, if Flacco can have a job, Colin yeah, Kaepernick can have a job. In, in, uh, any one of these past five years, he could have he could have stepped in and I'm helped just, the team. I gotta say it. I gotta say it out loud. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, but I'm uh, not, but yeah, like mad. I said, he's got the most uh, talent around him. The, a, a, fun, a first class yeah, defense. Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But okay. he has offense and he has everything. And he is known to throw the untimely uh, interception. Yeah. Um, but again, but, yeah. what was unique about him? What we didn't see last year when he was with the Jets. Is he sitting over here actually getting it done? Jets had had talent last year. They had a great defense and they had offensive weapons, but for whatever reason, it just didn't click and work for him. Now let's see if Flacco can have another 300-yard game because if he can have, Agreed. if he can string together in the next four games, uh, one or two 
300-yard uh, games, well, guess what? The Browns are in the, in the playoffs. Now, how yeah. far they go is probably not that far, but if this team can start getting accustomed to getting into the playoffs, that's going to bode well for Deshaun Watson next year. Yeah. I, you know, everybody's all against Deshaun Watson, and, and they still have issues with what happened and down with the Texans, but I, I still remember uh, his, his, his college coach saying um, and, and equated him to Michael Jordan. So I'm not going to sit over and give up on an individual uh, just because he wanted to pay for some trim. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, is this is a talented individual. He, he's had a tremendous amount of rust that is built up over a couple of years of not playing, having to sit out uh, the year pr- prior, and then coming back after a suspension and now getting hurt this year. But I think uh, his best days are ahead of him with a team like this. G Money, what about for you? Um, well, really? well, uh, j- just as I analyze the Browns, so when, so every everything you said, we look. Flacco, Flacco, look, he was the guy who took the Ravens and had a perfect postseason. I don't think that uh, Joe Montana could have had a more pro- perfect postseason. <laughs> got him paid. Yeah, got and, and, and that got him paid, and that got him paid well. But we all know that day in, day out, he's not that guy. But what it is is that he has proven through his his through his uh, his resume, through his through the history, is that he can gear up. If you give him tools around him and what is evident about the Cleveland Browns is, is they have a, let's say a Super Bowl caliber defense without question. So then the question and then Ford is formidable. They have a good offensive line. So then when you say if. Cooper and the tight end can and go Joku. and then and Joku, and, 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 yeah. Joku and with the weather <laughs> and with with Flacco just being able like, hey, I can spin it in cold and you give me a couple of play actions, we might be able to turn uh, you know, uh, turn some magic. With that being said, I think that there's a there's a possibility that the Browns could shock and awe. They could be the team that just says, with our, you know, Super Bowl caliber defense, if we just are able to score anywhere between 17 to 24 points, we could upset the apple cart. I I can agree with that. I think, you know, if he plays to a certain level, avoids those those fatal turnovers, they could be one of those teams that get in and then. Maybe upset upset a team here and there. Be, sure. be the X factor that nobody expected. Um, do I think that's going to happen? Uh, highly, probably not. But yeah, yeah. With that type, of, with that defense that they got, and that that's the big thing. Like you 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 hit you hit the nail on the head. They got a Super Bowl caliber defense, and anytime you can play defense, you got a chance. Yes. You know, it's it's funny that you say that because. You know, there are teams out here that have a strong defense and that the quarterback is there's some questions about him. And, and there's this one quarterback that there have been questions swirling around him for the last couple of years. But I think um, 
at the end of the day, he might have the last laugh. And, and this is a quarterback that I'm sure you'll be able to appreciate. And and, and that's Russell Wilson and, and, and the Denver Broncos. Uh-oh. You know, what, from what we saw early on in, in the season when they when, when they allowed a team to score 70 points on them, and now fast forward what almost 10 games yeah, into won, the they, future, they, they won, and now they have one of the seven. most they have one of the very best defenses in the league and, and they have a quarterback that's playing within their within his means and have a coach that is sitting over here and didn't lose faith didn't sit over here and waver and the and got the team to all get in line and, and, and when we talk about and alignment care. and care about winning and not just care but believe that they can win and I believe that's what we're seeing in the insurgence of the Denver Broncos so how excited are you about <laughs> You know, them being just a game out of first place in their division from where they came from and have a very good chance on making the playoffs. This I'm very excited about them. I'm excited to what, I, of what I've seen from them since um, that Miami debacle. <laughs> um, and and you, you, you're right. You know, here's, here's the thing. The way Russ has played, Russ has played exactly how um, – Sean Payton wanted him to play all mm-hmm, year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all year. And, and, you know, when you're the quarterback, you're going to get a lot of the blame when you lose mm-hmm. for sure. And, and, let, and let's just be real. Russ did not perform like the Russell Wilson. Yeah, he we was knew wet in the bed la- last year, mm-hmm. last yes. year. And correct. I think there was a lot of carryover to that. A lot of people correct. thought, oh, it's Russ's fault. They're losing or whatever. No, it was the defense. And I think I think the defense was, was resting on their laurels. Mm-hmm. They were reading their press covers. Hey, we were number one defense mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. but they just wasn't bringing it. Mm. And and you know I think I think the biggest thing that Sean Payton did is he didn't listen to the noise when they came when they left Miami and everybody was saying, hey, you need to fire that defensive coordinator, Van Schoese. Mm-hmm. Sean was like, no, let me stick with this guy. Mm-hmm. Because he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's been and, a head coach. And, and, Van, and Vance rallied the troops. They had a come-to-Jesus meeting. Mm-hmm. And and he got them right because these last seven games, I think they're they're giving up like 16 points a game. That's it, right? right. Yeah. One of the best defenses One of the best defenses. defenses the and they, mm-hmm. they are performing. And that's allowing Russ to kind of just manage the game, Yep. which, which he's doing very well. Cortland Sutton making big plays now. You know, here they're now they only have to score, let's say, 17 points to yeah, win. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so uh, he's he's got he's got this connection with Cortland Sutton. Yep. Mm-hmm. We need Jerry Judy to step it yep. up a little bit. They they kind of they've made a plays here and there, but not as consistent no. as as I want to see them. Um, I think uh, Javante Williams. I think he's a great back, and I think you know he's he's coming off the knee injury. Mm-hmm. He's not where to me, he's not where he was before the injury, but he's getting there. Mm-hmm. He's getting there. Mm-hmm. And with, like I said, with this, with the way they're playing, and to be one game out of first place, I mean, you, if you're a Bronco fan, you got to be ecstatic. Oh, yes. you got to be ecstatic. And I, I don't think anybody saw this coming. No, I know I did. No one did. Did you? <laughs> I, I, you know what? Honestly. And you know, I, I bleed blue and orange. I, I did. I did not see this. No. I did not see this type of 
dramatic, dramatic turnaround. And I think that's a testament to Sean yeah. Payton. I mean, you know, I didn't like how rough he was with Russell. He was real rough. Like, um, I don't want – Russ didn't, definitely didn't need any coddling. But I thought he was a little bit more abrasive with Russ than uh, a traditional coach would be with, with, with a star quarterback. But I think Russ, Russ maybe needed that tough love. To, to, to get in, in line, to, to to do what he needed him to do so they Maybe. can win games. I, you know what? I, I think he wasn't rough to me. He was exactly what, what needed to, to needed to happen for Russ. Like, Russ, you know, there were the reports about him separating himself from the team. And, and we talked earlier about my quarterback, John Elway. That was the one thing that, that you know, we loved about John. He was a... He was a superstar of superstars. I mean, yeah, you got to understand, no he, was, he was the Tom Brady of the time. He was, Absolutely. He was the Peyton Manning, but Absolutely. he was one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, quick story. So Shannon has Shannon Sharp has his podcast, Club Shay Shay. So Shay Shay, love it. Well, yeah. Club Shay Shay was the actual place. It was Shannon's dorm room where we used to win, go into training camp. Right. Like that, oh, was, that was the hangout spot. We'd go uh, in there, play dominoes, play spades, shoot dice, whatever. Right. You know, have a couple beers, you relax, you know, once once uh, two days was over. Right. And so all the guys would show up in Shannon's room, and we, we named it Club Shay. He named it Club Shay Shay. And, oh, here, and here's the thing, though. The superstar quarterback, John Elway, he's in there with us playing cards. You know, he wasn't playing no dominoes, yeah, yeah, shooting, no, shooting <laughs> dice, playing, you know, right. drinking beer. Right. He's one of the guys. No, he's one definitely. He's guys. one of the he guys. He didn't separate himself. But that himself. ingratiated him to our, to our team. That's why guys loved him. And when you got on that field, you're going to play hard for him. Yeah, and that was the that was the difference of Russ kind of separating himself year one from the team, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and guys, he hadn't earned that yet. Guys, exactly. He, he might have earned that in Seattle, but, but not he didn't there. earn that in Denver. Yes. So, but even even at that point, even at that, you still got to be one of the guys, and they got to know that you're one of the guys. And I'm I'm one. I'm gonna tell one more example. I'm gonna t- that's why they love Tim Tebow. When he Tim Tebow was in Denver, mm-hmm. he had his little run there. Mm-hmm. Tim Tebow, and everybody knows him. He's a big religious guy mm-hmm. and whatever. But Tim, when they would ask Tim, hey Tim, we're having a party. Come hang out. Tim would go to the parties with the team. Now he's not doing the same thing. He's right. not drinking. He's not drinking. He ain't smoking. Women. Yeah, he ain't, he, smoking he ain't at the bar he ain't like at we the are. Bar. <laughs> he's, at, he's at the bar with some sparkling water. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Know, okay. With okay. some holy water. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, Tim, but Tim would show up mm-hmm. and right just on. to show the guys, hey, I'm one of you guys. I'm that's what's up. Yeah. You know, and so I love it. But that's who the quarterback to me has to be, right. and that's the difference I think. For Russ this year versus last year, right? Okay. Russ is Russ is becoming one of the guys, and now he's playing the way Sean Payton needs him to play as a leader of that team. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. Uh, okay. What are your thoughts? Because that's your nemesis. Yes, you know, it they, is. They've got in your cheeks for a lot of years. So, so, so. How excited are See, you for Denver sitting over here? I was in those here. cheeks for real. <laughs> And oh. the cheeks, for those of y'all that Pause. don't know, the cheeks that we're talking about is the Raiders' cheeks. Okay. Pause. But, okay. You know, I was, so, 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 you know, I, I'm showing a lot of restraint. <laughs> I, I am aware that I'm in uh, Bronco and Chief country because, you know, I, I'm, I'm basically uh, 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 I'm a fish out of water. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, I, I can acknowledge 
that, you know, your coach has done what ultimately what I want to happen, uh, whether it's Pierce or another guy. I, I hope that it's Pierce for our team, but he's galvanized men. He, he has gotten them to believe and he's gotten them to execute at a high level. And, and I, and I will openly say that I hate the Broncos. <laughs> we hate you too. Yeah. And, and, and touche and confer move frere. Okay. So we both know and we are mutually agree. Yeah. It is a mutual way. But but I, I respect the fact that I, I, I've, what I have seen is we beat Denver week one. And we have gone through this, let's say, as a Raiders fan in the season. And I say we because, as you know, like fans just follow the team. So I've seen them go through this rainbow roller coaster of changes. And what I have seen from Denver is, is that they have been a model of consistency through the debacle that was Miami. So Miami happened, you got your ass smacked, and then everybody paid attention. And from that moment on, they just said, from a cold, dead hand, are we going to be embarrassed like this ever again? And that's how they have played. And kudos to Sean Payton. And kudos to Russell Wilson because they Playing just within himself. and kudos yes. to that defense because they just said Vance Joseph. Mm-hmm. Hell no, this is not how we roll. And they just said every opponent that has come thereafter, we are going to smack them in the mouth and we're going to dare you to try and be Miami to us. Whether or not that that has been the catalyst for them, who knows? It, oh, had, it, it had to be. It had to be. Yeah. It definitely was the catalyst. They had, they had a choice to either give up on their season, which it almost looked like they were giving up on their season in the second half of that game. I mean, it looked like the players had given up. That was the narrative that surrounded the players at, uh, at the end of that game. But, uh, again, kudos to kudos mostly to Sean Payton, to Vance Joseph, and, and to the organization as a whole, yes. to, to be able to to, to, yes. to put those they, put it they, back they together, they pulled so, themselves so, up and the said, strap. "Hell no." So yeah, just just to to confirm what you, it definitely was the galvanizing force. And I know for a fact that those players had a meeting, mm. and some things were aired out in that had meeting. to be. Mm-hmm. And like you said, as far as being embarrassed, you know. Mm-hmm. That that was something that was said. Like we can't, we're not going to take the field and be embarrassed like that ever, ever again. again. Mm-hmm. There's no way. We have, we're too good of a defense to be giving up 70 points. Like, You're right. It's crazy. And they were, and they were in year, but, years past. But it's something that that has galvanized the entire team. Yes. Yeah. And and the, and you know what I what I really like about them is that mentality. I think will be lasting. I think that 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 will only build. That, that gets embedded into your DNA to, to, like they say, you know, like they say, never, never again. Yeah. That 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 I think that with the with the group of individuals that are there, 
anybody who remains there past this season will still have that embedded in their DNA yep. never again. And let me say this. Let me say this while while we're while I'm on this on this platform. I see some flaws in Kansas City. And me I wouldn't too. be surprised if we overtook them. I Don't I, be surprised I, I, at the end of I the season I if we overtook either. them in the AFC West. I won't be either. You're hearing it right here first. Because everybody has already given the division to Kansas City. They gave it to him weeks well, ago. Well, why wouldn't they? Still, they've won it. He hasn't had an away game in the hear, playoffs. I hear what but, you're but saying. But I will say, tell you, I, I agree. I hear what you're saying. How, how about this? Do they, but do they, they got a lot. They have a lot of flaws. Mm-hmm. Yes, they a do. Lot. And those flaws mm-hmm. are starting to, to show, really show, show themselves. Mm-hmm. Kansas City would have to lose another divisional game. Yeah. And, and the Broncos would have to not lose any more divisional okay. games so you, you for them to overtake yeah. You might be rooting for my Raiders. O'Connell's not going to make it happen. It's not going to be the Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're, we're just going to do what we got to do. I know. One thing I want to do, you know, we're lucky, we're blessed to sit over and have a two-time Super Bowl champion yeah, I love here it. at the bar with us talking football. And so we've talked football, and that's been absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, the, the thing that I've really uh, been trying to, you know, restrain myself is, you know, to be able to have you here and, and to get some insight into, you know, the world of a true NFL professional one, mm. the world of a, of an individual, because very few NFL players actually have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. You know, you, we, we got to pick your brain a little okay. bit before we get out of here. Okay. You know, you, you, you got to tell me what is um what is your favorite story as a professional football player? It doesn't got to be with Denver. As a professional football player, what is your very favorite story that you can share with us? Well, my favorite story, you know, just being drafted as a seventh round pick, I was 222, number 222 wow. out of about, you know, 235, mm-hmm. 240 people that's drafted and, and making up my mind when I got in that locker room that I'm going to, number one, I'm going to make this team. And, and then my other personal goal that I set was to become a Pro Bowl player. Mm, but you had uh, the opportunity to do it. What year? In uh, 2001, 2002. 2001, 2002. Yeah. And, That's um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I did was, and I encourage everybody to do this, whether if you're an athlete, whether you're a business person, whatever you do, um, when, I, when I got in that locker room and I found me a mentor, I literally went to the, uh, the equipment manager and I said, hey, put my put my locker right next to Shannon Sharps. And Shannon didn't know it at the time, but he was going to be my mentor, whether he knew it or not. Right, 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 right. The thing is, like, he had the kind of career that I wanted. He mm-hmm. played a long time. He made Pro Bowls. He had success. And, and so I saw how hard he worked, his dedication, and I was like, I want to be like that. Right. So put me next to that guy because I'm going to learn from him. And, and Shannon was so that. gracious, was a great teammate. And, and that's the advice I give to kids. Like, whatever you're trying to do, go find somebody who's already navigated those waters. Mm-hmm. You ain't got to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they, they've already got the blueprint for success. Go go, go pick their brain. And, and traditionally champions, good quality individuals like a, like a Shannon Sharp, 
uh, want to sit over here and, and, and open themselves up and, and partake and, and provide. Yeah, that, uh, that's a great that, spirit that mentorship, I, without a doubt. Just observing him from afar, is, I, I, he seems like a person of high character. And the, the biggest thing was he was about winning. That's all he wanted to do. I you love know, it. Uh, you know, some guys care about stats. Some guys care about money. Some guys care about all the ancillary stuff that comes along yeah. with the NFL. He was just about winning, man. And, and I'll never forget these words he told me. He said, you know, because they drafted me to kind of take his spot. And he said, you know what, if you're good as, as they say you are, I'm going to teach you everything I know. And I remember that day because that that's kind of the day that really changed my life as a player because – he was willing to impart knowledge and wisdom mm-hmm. and, and the things that he know, mm. knew uh, to me. And, and I was I was I was I was a great student, man. I sat under his wing and learned it all. So, yeah. You yeah, know, it's man. Funny. Lucky, lucky you, bro. Because, yeah, <laughs> hey, you, hey, you're hey, able to have that. Gave individual you some real game. To do that. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. We, we talk about uh, so many players don't ever have an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. I know some players sure. that don't even have an opportunity to get to the playoffs. Remember Josh McCowan yeah. when he when he filled in uh, in the playoffs, yeah. and that was his very first time in a in, in over a decade career mm. of ever playing in a playoff game. Yeah. So. Um, what I'm saying is, is a whole lot of people don't ever have an opportunity to be a Pro Bowl player. Mm-hmm. So you've had an opportunity to be a Pro Bowl player. You've had an opportunity to, to play in multiple Super Bowls. Let me ask you this: What was your greatest memory in playing in the Super Bowl? In the Super Bowl, wow. Uh, it, it's tough. Um, you know, as as a as a, I'll, I'll give you two. As a team, it was definitely winning that first Super Bowl. You know, the Broncos had been there. Uh, so multiple many times. years, so mm-hmm. many times. It got blown out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost to Doug Williams, which I was champ for Doug. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Low key, right? They, yeah. they, they had lost to the Giants. They, they got blown out mm-hmm. by San Francisco. And so they had all these years of heartbreak, heartbreak, heartbreak. And then we get there against the defending champs, Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. We're a 13-point underdog, uh, but we were a confident bunch. We had knew that they had never seen a, an offense like ours. They had never seen a, a, an offensive line like we had uh, and, and a running back like Terrell Davis. Uh, we knew that we were, we came in that game very confident and knew mm-hmm. we were, we were going to win that game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when, when that, when that final uh, ball got knocked down by John Mobley and, and <laughs> yeah, just jumping that. on the yeah. field and, and knowing you're Super Bowl champs, I mean that that was amazing because that was the first time. Mm. Um, the other the other is, a, is more of a personal moment for me or a personal thing. Um, the second Super Bowl we play Atlanta, and, and Shannon Sharp gets hurt in the first quarter of the game, mm. and so I have to come in and, and fill in for him and, and play the entire game. And I came in and had a great game, not only on offense but as well as special teams. I was I was named the special teams player of the game. Uh, they gave me a nice, nice watch for that thing, and I, mm. which I gave to my my older brother because he, uh, man, he just meant so much to me. Amazing. Um, and uh, but just being in that game, making plays, uh, catching the ball, first downs. I think every ball I caught was a first down that that game, and 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 being a part of that that win mm-hmm. uh, to 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 complete the back to back championships. I mean, as on a personal level, that that was amazing. And, and one final story, because this is a cool story. I, and, I, and I don't really tell this story a lot. 
But so that game, John Elway is the MVP. It's a, his very last game. As, his as, very last game. As, yeah, as, yeah mm-hmm. in the NFL. So him and I, we're, we're all doing interviews after the after the game. Him and I, for some reason, were doing the most interviews. And so we got left at the stadium. The team had gone back to the hotels to start the, the Super Bowl party. So the team left the guy, Fred Fleming, with us. And he was kind of our handler to take care of us. So we wound up finishing our interviews, going to uh, take showers. And they had left a bus for just me and John to, to ride back to the hotel. And as we're getting on the bus, there's a guy who hands us some uh, three Cuban cigars, one for each of us. And we get on the bus, and John asked the bus driver, hey, can we uh, smoke these on the bus? And he, he, he tells us yes. So just having that moment with John, smoking that victory cigar on the man. way, I mean, his last game. I mean, it was, oh, just, yeah, man. It was that, perfect. That's and that's classic. something that I will always remember. He always remembers. We talk about it. And, like, yeah, you remember us on that bus man, smoking those cigars? Man? <laughs> and it, it was uh, just a, a perfect of accomplishment. Yeah, it was a perfect mm-hmm. ending to a, to a perfect Super Bowl win, man. And, Without a cool. That's and, a beautiful thing, and, and, and literally, that was his last game. And that, that was kind of our last moments together right. as, as mm-hmm. teammates. You know, that's beautiful. When, when you win a Super Bowl, that's a collective win. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about the team. But but when you have an opportunity to, to make a Pro Bowl, it's really about individually what you accomplished, what you did on a season-wide level. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, obviously, they're very, it's only a select few that have an opportunity to make a Pro Bowl uh, because of their individual success in their careers. For you, when you won that Super Bowl, you know, give us some insight. What, what was your greatest um, highlight? In terms of that weekend, because the the, the Pro Bowl was different back then. Mm-hmm. Cats actually still oh, play. Yeah. Now it's, it's touch or flag or yeah. whatever they're talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. But when you played, it, it really meant yeah. something. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. much yeah. more serious than other competitions. The Pro Bowl. Well, yeah, without a doubt. Man, let, me, let me just go through, because there's a lot with the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl really meant a lot. And, there, and there's a, a few reasons there. You know, the, the, the first of all, like I said, reflecting on being drafted in the seventh round, 222. That, I mean, that just, you know, and, and coming you, to me, like you had to be top three of your position mm-hmm. or top two mm-hmm. to, to make the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. So that that told me how far I came, mm-hmm. you know, start, you know, people say started from the bottom. Now, no, yeah, we're here. Yeah, without a doubt. 100%. That, yeah, absolutely. That's number one. Number two, I got to go back to my coach. I was a Minnesota Viking at the time. Uh, God rest his soul, Denny Green. Denny I Green. love oh, that man. man. I love him. And he's the Great sole coach. reason that I became a Minnesota Viking. I went and I uh, interviewed with, um, I went and visited the Patriots when, and Bill Belichick. Uh, I visited Detroit with Marty Morningwig. And then I went to, to Minnesota and I met Denny Green. And Denny actually told me in our, our meeting, he said a couple of things. He said, listen, I've watched every free agent tight end and I want you to come in and be my starting tight end. That was number one. Oh, wow. You watch every guy and you want me. Right. Uh, he said, listen, when you come here, we got Randy Moss. We got Chris Carter. We got Jake Reed. Guess who's not going to get double teamed? <laughs> you. <laughs> He's like, you're going to get man-to-man coverage. Yeah. You're going to catch about 60 Eight balls. Eight minutes sounds sexy. And yeah. He said, you're gonna, this is what he told me. He's like, you're not going to get double teamed. You're going to catch about 60 balls and you're going to make the Pro Bowl. I was like, Denny, 
sign me up. And, and so it, what he said came true, actually. I caught about 60 balls, was the leading you sure uh, did, tight huh? end uh, in the NFC and wow. made the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was the part. Thing. And then the final part of that is I'm born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, actually, where I was born is a place called Halava Heights. And those apartments in Halava Heights were knocked down to build Aloha Stadium. So oh, I was wow. literally oh, wow. born on the spot where the Pro Bowl was played right. in Honolulu, Hawaii. Wow. So, uh, but it's not played there anymore. Uh, no, the Pro Bowl's not, not there anymore. But, right? uh, mind blown. Mind but blown. They, they did a big story about me in ESPN and USA Today when I played there in the um, in the Hula Bowl mm-hmm. with college. Mm-hmm. Because, like, literally that, that actual spot was where the born. apartments were we lived in when mm-hmm. I was born. That's deep. Uh, man. So going back to it's that, meant to be. going back to that stadium to play the Pro Bowl, bringing my family with me, mm. uh, and then the other part, I just thought about this right now. My coach was Andy Reid, who was my coach right. in college. The college right. He was Church. the coach. He was the coach at Philadelphia, but he was the the NFC coach that year. So it was just special. Um, I, I caught a, 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 I think I caught three passes that game. Uh, the biggest thing was just trying to stay healthy, uh, but we played. We we actually played that game. Yeah. They, they tackled for real. Yeah, it's it not like real, that yeah, anymore. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't anymore. like oh okay, yeah, yeah. let me uh, do a cute and, uh, out and yeah. And, and so, but no, it was just special to be there to bring my family back to Hawaii where we where we all started. Uh, was just a, an amazing honor. Amazing. Oh man, yeah. that is such a a great story. It, it definitely. You didn't know that was coming. So no, I didn't oh, know that was coming. Yeah, that was some good stuff. Gave us yeah. a oh, they give me a little. Hey, but, <laughs> you know? but, but but you know, um, NFL uh, the careers in all the sports. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I played sports. I I've grown up with individuals that have gone on to play professional sports. You know, and, and, G, you played sports in, in high school. Yeah. And we, I, we, I, we made, I made it to varsity. Strong <laughs> <laughs> safety. I buddy. made it to varsity. But what That's I do know about say. a professional uh, athlete is that it, it's not all you know shits and giggles. It's not all uh, fluffy like like. There's a grind and there's a professionalism and just like any career, there there's um, ebbs and flows mm-hmm. and and you have to sit over here and and get in where you fit in. And um, one of the things that I grew up with that most people that are watching this podcast aren't going to have an opportunity to, to know about is there was a thing back in our day when we were young, which was called uh, NFL Europe. Yeah, and there were multiple teams in Europe that 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 that, that NFL players could play in, yep. and so you had an opportunity to play in, in the NFL Europe, and it's not like the games now where uh, you play a couple of games in yeah. either uh, England or, or Germany. It was like it was like England, Germany, Spain. Yeah. It was all over. What was that when to actually be able to play a season in front of European fans and in that world and in that environment that was dominated by everything else but American football? Well, man, it was it was uh, God, that was awesome. It, it was. It was an experience. And you know, you got to understand this. There was a lot of young players, a lot of young talent, a lot of unproven guys. There was a lot of guys who came out of that league and became superstars mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the NFL field. Mm-hmm. 
I can name a Kurt Warner, mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Adam Vinatieri, mm-hmm. uh, just to name a few guys. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many. I could go to uh, Leroy Glover, mm-hmm. who is an All-Pro player. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many guys that came out of that league. But for me, um, it was first of all, I, one of my number one thing is I love to travel. So it was a it was a free uh, three month European, oh, yeah, yeah. European vacation. Yeah, yeah. And I was Spain, I was England, Scotland, yeah, Amsterdam. Yeah, I love it. Yep. I love we were it. all over. I love it. So I, I played for the German team, but for me it was an opportunity to grow and develop as a player. Uh, I was sent over there uh, by the Broncos, uh, allocated by the Broncos. So um, it was the time when I was making that transition. I was drafted as a receiver. And they wanted to change me to a tight end. So it was my first time actually playing tight end. Mm. So I go over there. And and for them, it was like, well, go learn how to play tight end and make all your mistakes over there. That's that not, makes sense. It's not going to cost and, us and, any yeah, games right, over right, here. Right, 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 come right. back here and be a, <laughs> a, 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 a bishop so, tight end. So yeah. um, so I go, I get there and, and just have an amazing season. I was the leading receiver as far as catches. And, and I led the league. I think I had nine touchdowns in ten games. Wow. Um, so you hitting almost every game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, I think I had like 60 catches. So I was the leading receiver. I think um, there was a kid, um, Sean LaChapelle from UCLA, who actually beat me in yardage. But he was playing receiver, and I was playing tight end. Tight end. Right um, Came in second. And this was the most the most uh, disappointing thing because I really, and I've never really focused on individual awards, but mm. I wanted to win this. I came in second to Saran Stacy from Alabama uh, for MVP of the league that year. His team won the championship, and I think that's why he got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, they had this other thing. I was voted the most dangerous offensive weapon. But I wanted to win MVP for one simple reason and one reason only. When does a tight end ever win MVP? Never. Mm. Never. Never. Ever. 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 And I came in second. I and, and I still think I should have won that award. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That dangerous award ain't bad. Yeah. Man, this unbelievable stuff. But the one thing I the last thing I wanted to talk about was you know, the great stuff that you know with Cal State LA. Mm-hmm. You know, the beautiful thing is that, you know, uh, you were having a hands on effect on the sport on the sporting department there. And, and I, I, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I just took the, the role as a director of development for the athletic department in, at Cal State LA. The oh, thing right that on. I love about it is I really get to interact with our kids over there. And our, our kids are great. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you got to understand the dynamic of Cal State LA. We're we're over in East LA. The mm-hmm. most of our kids are are low-income kids, they're first-generation kids. 85% of them are first-generation kids. Mm-hmm. So Huge. they're coming to college mm-hmm. for the first time with their family's hopes and dreams mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And and, and these kids are, are, are focused on, on two things. They're focused on their academics and graduating, and they're also focused on playing playing their sport. And they understand mm-hmm. most, of, most of them... They're not going professional in their sports, right, right. but they want to have a good time while they're in in school, and they dedicate themselves and they work hard at sports, and um, and and, they, and then the other part is they work hard in school. And I, I really don't, we don't really don't have any kids who are struggling academically because they're so focused, and 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 you know we have a, a lot of uh, 
you know, black and brown kids. You know, we're, we're on the East, East Low, so. Yeah. You know, when you so, say something like East that, my, my mother, my father, and my wife have had the opportunity to grace that school. So I definitely understand what you're saying, that it means something special to me. When it, when you came in and you saw you had that LA insignia yes. on, on your chest, it was like, boom, that stuck out to me. And I knew what that meant. And, and I definitely understand what you're saying, is that you were doing work that's above and beyond athletics. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's about the kids that are going there and how it's do you just, propel them to the next level yeah, of life. Yeah, it's just giving them a chance to, to succeed and and really go after their hopes and their dreams. And like I said, a lot of them come to them coming come to our school bearing the hopes and dreams of their entire families. Right. And they're going to graduate there and become mm-hmm. professionals and, and, and change the the trajectory of their family. Mm-hmm. So I, I I really love being being hands on and being in there with them as they do that. To me, I, I think we are LA's best kept secret. Uh, we're we're mm-hmm. a school of 28,000 kids that go to our school. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're 28,000. So we're a huge right. we're a huge school. We have every sport except football. We don't have football. Oh, but, uh, but I think that's a testament to you that it didn't have absolutely. to be football centric yeah. for you to yeah. see the value um, in terms of what you can bring to to student athletes and not just student athletes but to a, a learning institution as a whole. Yeah, and and, and my job literally is to try to help elevate the program, the entire athletic program. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're, we're doing some good things. Two years ago, we won the national championship in, in men's soccer. Oh, wow. um, this past weekend, um, we just won the women's volleyball uh, championship. Right on. Um, I love national that. National championship. Mm-hmm. So the first, the first uh, women's sport in Cal State LA history to win an NCAA yeah, national championship. So. Well, how about this? We are a secret no more. <laughs> how about that? That, that, that is our goal. Yeah, that yeah, is our we, goal, man, and to really yeah, elevate our it. program where we're, we're, we're competing for championships. We're graduating students, we're, and our students are becoming leaders in our community. Absolutely, that is that's that's beautiful, man. And, really and, and, and that's what that's what we we have to ask of our greats. Yes. Uh, that come from sports. You know, you, you've had yes. an opportunity to 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 be on a platform and to inspire individuals. Uh, because of your great play. Now you have an opportunity to take a step off of that platform and be hands-on with, with that next generation that and didn't get the opportunity to see you play, yeah. but sit over here and can learn from the experiences that you glean from yes. playing uh, uh, the, this great game of football. So, you yeah. know. Teach them how to do it. Teach them how to do it. And so with that being said. Cheers. Cheers. It was truly a hey. pleasure. Thank you for joining no, us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having fun. We got a chance to talk some football. Yeah, football yeah. At the bar. Everybody, please subscribe, download, and like. And all day, have some fun. Join us next week. We're going to bring you some more magic. Again, thank you. Byron Chamberlain, two-time Super Bowl winning champion. I know. From the Denver Broncos, whipping the Raiders' asses. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you soon. Appreciate you. Cheers. <laughs> I'm going to have to take that on the chin. <laughs> hey, as I get-